0: Hello and welcome to the MSL Consultant podcast. I'm your host and founder of MSL Consultant, Aoife O'Dwyer. Today on the podcast, I interview Marcus West and we discuss scientific storytelling. Marcus has over 30 years experience coaching people on how to communicate effectively and in an engaging manner. And we dive into some of the practical things MSLs can do in order to be more effective, when storytelling in front of KOLs and avoid data dumping on their KOLs. This episode is sponsored by 60 Seconds. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Marcus, and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So before we get into our topic today, can you give the audience a little bit of your background?
1: Yeah, no, sure, sure, absolutely. I've been coaching uh, people Uh, On storytelling uh, on coaching media training uh, and presentation skills for uh, 30 years, I have a background in theater uh, and um, i've kind of taken that uh, background in performance and script writing and directing and sort of repurpose it for the uh, corporate sector.
0: Amazing. And you talked about storytelling. One of the things that MSLs and medical affairs hear a lot about today is scientific storytelling. Can you give us a bit of an overview of what is scientific storytelling? What does it actually mean?
1: Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I think um, a lot of uh, MSL teams are trying to work out different ways to help uh, their MSLs to communicate more effectively and I think uh, naturally they've nominated storytelling as a as a really nice way to do that um, and I think um, to me scientific storytelling is essentially the same as any uh, uh, any other sort of storytelling in terms of its uh, structure and execution um, and basic basic sort of cornerstone principles but I guess it's exploring uh, more of a technical, Uh, scientific narrative um, and uh, introducing storytelling precepts, I believe, uh, provides uh, a a range of kind of tools to the MSL uh, to use uh, at particular points to try to just give more shape uh, to the utterance.
0: And you mentioned uh, the cornerstone principles of storytelling. Would you be able to give the audience some idea of what these principles are? So if they've never done any research into storytelling, what are some of the key principles of storytelling?
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the sort of positioning, uh, key key sort of positioning ideas for me is that in our normal non-work lives we uh, interact with one another by telling stories uh, that's what we do we you know we go to the pub and we tell stories to each other we go to dinner parties we tell stories we get home from work we tell stories you know but for some reason when we get into a work context stories uh, are seen as not appropriate for that context and things like powerpoint presentations and uh, uh stuff like that uh, tend to um i guess uh, be more prevalent so i suppose that is very important start from the, the the basic principle that human beings interact with one another by telling stories now that's sort of the common denominator now what do i believe are the are the key principles there are many but i think having a beginning a middle and an end is a is a good starting point that's uh, the aristotelian three act structure uh many, many hundreds of years old and uh still as effective as ever. So how do we set up the story? Introduce the uh the hero, if you like, and then how uh does that hero in the second act, uh, you know, what challenges do they face and how do they overcome those challenges? And then how does the story reach its climax and uh, and what is the uh the denouement? How 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 do things look looking into the future? Um, after uh, the story has reached its climax, which, of course, is the third act.
0: And when it comes to MSLs and scientific storytelling, you talk about setting it up at the start, so it's really important to have a beginning, and then in the middle, maybe the introduction of the hero and some of the challenges that they might overcome. For an MSL, could that hero be a person, for example, a doctor, a key opinion leader, but would it be possible for the hero to also be a drug or a new way to treat a disease? Would that be possible for scientific storytelling as well?
1: Uh, absolutely. I, I I think in in the end, the hero has to be the most uh, significant or the most multifaceted or most interesting character in, in the narrative. So to me, uh, a, very, a very sort of technical clinical scientific narrative could well you know explore uh you know something as uh you know insignificant to the rest of the world as a molecule um it could be um, uh, the discovery of a, of a of a great scientist it could be a doctor who's pioneered particular um, uh, uh, medical treatments uh, uh for uh, for patient bent for patient benefits You know, most of the time we we tend to see that it's the patient. So it's the patient's journey from, uh, you know, difficult beginnings, diagnosis, you know, this cloud hanging over the head, a range of processes around how can we respond to that and then you know, out the other side with uh, you know, uh, getting getting the right treatment for them with a, with, a, with a positive outcome, and uh, and you know, as you'll see, uh, you know, on American television when you watch uh, uh, ads for prescription drugs, you'll you'll see the sort of perfect finish as everybody wanders off into the sunset, and uh, you know that's that's the way uh, you know many many stories end, and that's how that's how we want stories to end so the short answer is it can be whoever you want it to be but I guess you need to build it around a central character or a central idea that does become the hero and goes through uh, a series of um, I guess challenges conflicts that are hopefully eventually resolved
0: Mm. I think that's such good advice as well to choose one hero because I think we've all had the experience of listening to either a story or a presentation or maybe someone talk, and there's just so much extra information. It's hard to follow the story because it's very distracting because we're provided all this information that isn't necessarily important to the hero's journey, whoever or whatever the hero is in that story. So for MSLs being able to take a step back and really ask themselves, okay, what is the important information that I need to present here in order to tell the story effectively is a useful way for them to make sure that they don't overload their audience. Because often with MSLs, particularly newer MSLs, when maybe they're a little bit nervous and they don't have the experience, they have a tendency to data dump. So they'll go into a KOL meeting and they'll just essentially vomit data on top of the KOLs and it's not a conversation and it's not engaging. Um, what are some of the other reasons that it's quite important for MSLs to learn how to tell stories?
1: Yeah, well, I, I just just to reflect on that point momentarily, I, th- I think you know there I, I once uh, interviewed uh, a guy who ran a writer's room in uh, Los Angeles, you know, so this is where you have you know six or eight, Uh, script writers who write a series of shows and um, uh, for television generally episodes and uh, then they sit around and they share it they read these episodes back to one another and then people people give them feedback look I don't think that scene works you don't need that scene to progress the narrative anymore it doesn't show us anything about these characters etc and then they call it killing their babies so then they have to get out the pen and just strike through you know these three or four pages of this scene that they really loved now that is you know how we get objective about the nature of the story that we're telling and the information that's in it and to your point we crystallize and we select information carefully so that it's not too much i think people have uh, you know they even highly intelligent people now with social media and phones and the way that we consume information we don't have the attention span that we used to. So I think this idea that we might talk for, you know, three, four, 10 minutes straight, technical, dense information is exceedingly unwise.
0: Yeah, 100%, because at the end of the day, to your point, we're all human, we're overloaded with information. We all have our phones in our hands, we're on screens constantly. And if someone were to talk at me for 15 minutes, I would most likely just glaze over and completely zone out. And it would be really difficult for me to understand, well, what's the really important piece of information I need to take from this conversation if they're just throwing too much information at me. And I love how you talked about that example of the, the screenwriters and how they will remove certain things because you don't need it to progress, progress the narrative. And I think that's such an important phrase and something that MSLs can use for themselves when they're preparing for KOL meetings. Do I need this to progress the narrative? Do I need this to add value to the KOL? Do I need this piece of information to educate the KOL? And also as MSLs, if we're able to speak a little bit less, but more clearly, it will actually demonstrate a higher level of confidence in front of KOLs because we won't be rambling and rambling and sharing all this information that isn't required, but instead we'll come across a lot more composed because we'll know exactly the information that we need to share we can speak a little bit slower and we can ensure that we're able to educate those physicians appropriately
1: yeah absolutely and i and i don't think there's any you know you know the great uh, sort of Truths, uh, if you like, in life are, are ultimately quite simple um, but crystallized well thought through and and also in, in the in the framework of a conversation they're allowed to breathe. I think uh, to your point if, if people feel under pressure in a communicative interaction, then they'll just talk lots. Um, and uh, if, and they'll feel that silence is an absence of meaning, which, of course, it isn't. It's quite the opposite. In fact, I think we find, you know, I always like to use the analogy of, uh, you know, going on a date. In fact, it's those moments where you kind of, you know, where the eyes meet and you do a cheers or whatever it might be, that actually they're the moments where where the two human beings come a little closer together in their interaction. So when we're having a conversation with somebody we feel comfortable with, you know, letting ideas sit, pausing, thinking about things, you know, rather than having to, you know, kind of suffocate, crush the interaction with just more sound, you know, and that's all it'll be. It won't be a communicative instance, it'll just be sound.
0: Yeah, yeah, and just noise, unnecessary information that isn't really going to get to your objective, which is to build that rapport or to really educate um, the KOL. And the importance of silence is so huge because it enables KOL's time to think. And often, if there is a moment of silence, directly after that is when MSLs will get the greatest insights, because KOLs will have a little bit more time to think. And they might think, okay, it's a bit silent. Maybe I'll fill this. And then they'll share something else, something that maybe they wouldn't have a chance to share if the MSL had kept talking. Um, But it can be really those golden nuggets that come in those moments if the MSL is willing to sit in silence for a moment or two.
1: And, and is, frankly, courageous enough to do so. And uh, that because that, that's what it is, isn't it, really, in the end? Um, because the uh, the easier way, of course, is to say something else, not to have that silence because it feels a bit awkward. Um, but of course, uh, the, as you say, the um, ultimately in these interactions, we're trying to draw uh, as you say, some um, um, some some really interesting gold from the person that we're talking to, and and that will come as you say, if they can process this idea that's carefully thought out and crystallised and delivered to them, then their their response to that is uh, is is going to be very interesting once once they've allowed it to just just turn over in their mind a little bit before they respond.
0: Yeah, and I would say on that. If MSLs are having interactions via Zoom or Teams, if you are going to be silent, sometimes it is still good to do tiny movements. So the KOL knows you haven't frozen, because if there's a moment of silence, then the KOL has to be like, hello, are you still there? It can ruin that moment. So you cannot speak verbally, but you can still maybe do small movements so they know that you're not frozen and you're actually giving them a moment to process
1: what you said as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, uh, and and to your point on planning, I think this idea—if we can think about, you know, what what's achievable in the in this thirty-minute interaction, what can we actually explore uh, thoroughly? Because that's what you want to do, you know. Yeah, two or two or three concepts in some depth, uh, in, a, in a in a painstaking, thorough manner. Uh, so much more than just, uh, yeah, I, I guess, this, this sort of uh, concept that sometimes people have, especially when they're, when they're more junior and perhaps just a little uh, overpassionate and enthusiastic. They, there's this sort of, you know, I, I've just got to get it all out, you know. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that was a really good meeting because, you know, I got everything out. It's kind of like, hmm, you know, well, uh, that may be not what the other party is thinking.
0: Exactly. And this comes back to what's the objective of your meeting? Is it to educate the KOL? Is it to build a relationship? Um, Is it to get them involved in a company initiative? Because you need to focus on what you actually are trying to get out of the meeting, not Mm. just, oh, my objective is to share information. That's not an objective. Sharing information by itself doesn't necessarily add value to the company. Have you actually educated the KOL? Have they learned something new? Have you learned something about them? Those are the things that MSLs need to be focusing on. And from a more practical point of view, if you're an MSL and you have some beautiful data, if you share that all in the first 30 minutes, you don't have anything really to talk to the KOL about in the next meeting. Whereas if you take it a lot slower and you share the information bit by bit and really engage them in conversation, if they enjoy the interaction, they'll be more likely to meet with you again, which means you'll get follow-up meetings and an opportunity to further build that rapport with the KOL, which again is just so important for MSLS.
1: Yeah, and and uh, they they have to be seeing it as a as a series of interactions over a given period of time, as opposed to uh, this is my one opportunity to uh, you know tell you everything that I know. You know.
0: Yeah. And if we talk about specific actions for MSL, so let's say I'm an MSL and I'm working on a launch product and I'm about to see a KOL. And my objective is to build a relationship, number one, but I'm also keen to get their insights on treatment guidelines. So earlier you talked about one of the key principles of storytelling is to have a beginning, middle and end to kind of really set it up to talk, think about the hero, the different challenges um, that that hero encounters, and also how the future might be different because of the hero overcoming these challenges. So from a practical point of view, what could an MSL do when they're preparing for a meeting and they want to communicate in a more storytelling um, form?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, we we uh, always say with this three act structure that that it's uh, it's a flow, um, and so but each part exists uh, you know independently. Uh, So it's not that because a lot of people think when they when they start. The first act, it's got to go to the second. It's got, you know, but actually, we all know that a real interaction doesn't happen like that. A real interaction is actually, you know, quite uh, uh, quite different to that. So, you know, an an opening is to kind of create the ambience and to create a, uh, uh, a a setup of a situation, and that might be, you know, to look at a patient scenario. That might be, patient uh, is presenting with this situation and these conditions, and uh, if there's not a change of some sort, an intervention of some sort, then really, you know, uh, there, there are going to be dire outcomes. So, of course, the first part is we have this patient profile. We understand the uh, uh, the, the sort of person that we're talking about. We understand the threat to them from a, a, a disease state perspective. And so you've already introduced the main character, the hero of the story. You've then gone to the threat that they face. So you're raising the stakes of the story. So we're, we're, we're interested in it. What's going to happen next, kind of thing? And um, you know, so that's that's just one example. That's just the setup. And then, you know, from there, there's this kind of um the 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 and I believe the the toughest part for MSLs is that middle part of the story. How do I make because if, if I've got like a lot of information, how do I make the middle part like taut from a narrative perspective um, and so often it, it doesn't it'll just it'll just wane and it'll 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 get a little bit flat and, of course, you know, unless we're completely. Uh, uh, unaware of the person that we're talking to, we will know when that's happening, we can get a sense of you know oh, I can really feel the audience as as you said before they're glazing over they're drawing back they're not engaged and so what do we do in those moments to kind of bring up these these key points and make it a little bit of a here's the challenge that they face here's how they dealt with it here's how they overcame it and so that tends to be a standard sort of a structure that we would recognize immediately especially from movies Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the and then the really the last part it, it could well be unknown I, I, especially around a launch thing I mean the last part may not be relevant at all because maybe we're at, we're, we're at phase one or phase two and you know the data isn't uh, compelling enough to be able to say and uh, and and these were this this was the outcome you know so maybe it's maybe it's pointing to something as opposed to necessarily uh, sort of saying you know this was how it ended. You know?
0: And I guess uh, I jotted down a few things as you were talking, because I'd love to explore them in a little bit more detail. The last thing you said was perhaps the ending is unknown because maybe the data isn't there yet. And as you were saying that, I thought, oh, how exciting it would be to draw the KOL. Potentially you um, want to work with a KOL on a clinical trial and you recognize that there's a data gap. So it could be an opportunity for the KOL to become the hero of the story, because at the moment there is this unmet need. And as a company, we are looking for a lead PI, someone who can really potentially change the future for these patients. Um, And it's an opportunity to draw the KOL into the story and help Mm -hmm. them um, write the story with you and how the future of the patient landscape might change if they are able to get involved with your company and work with you on a particular clinical trial um, to lead it. So I guess there's an opportunity for that um, type of interaction as well. I One believe of... they,
1: re- they refer to that uh, in in filmic terms as the call to action.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, as you were talking, another thing that struck me was emotion and feeling. Is this something you recommend MSLs think about as they are preparing for an interaction and they're going through the scientific storytelling exercise? Should they say, okay, what type of emotion do I want to evoke in my um, KOL? Do I want them to be excited? Is it gonna be empathy? Is it gonna be anger that there isn't a proper treatment available? Um, is that something that would be useful for MSLs to think about?
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, I, I, I always, uh, I always point to uh, uh, people um, in the in these uh, situations being able to come up with an a- with with an action when they communicate. So to your point, to excite, uh, to 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 you know, frustrate, to whatever it might be. So you're actually pointing what you're doing, and you're creating an intention around the way that you're communicating. I I, I think it's a super interesting point. If you if you can't if, if, if your soul... Uh, intention is to inform, then it's going to be, a, it's going to be, you know, we might as well go back to uni, you know, it's going to be pretty dry, um, you know, it has to, there has to be a little bit more hanging on it than that, It also give gives what you say a little bit of a rudder, it gives gives us some direction uh, for, for, for what you're attempting to do, uh, most most certainly, and to, to your other point on, uh, uh, you know, on, on, on the impact of medicine, you know, everybody will talk about doctors and uh, bedside manner, uh, you know, a lot of doctors, uh, you know, being a little a little bit uh, sort of uh, impervious to, uh, you know, pain and things like that. Uh, (laughs) I think there is um, always uh, a way to find the human perspective and the and what the patient's suffering, how they're going through it, how it's not just impacting them, but how it's impacting their whole sort of family circle. And uh, how improved health outcomes just immediately lift that whole scenario, and um, I think you know from from a position of of, of purpose and why am I doing this job and why am am I involved in this career crucially important, but also in the interaction, you know how is this actually washing through to real people having a, a more a more satisfying, content existence?
0: And one of the things you mentioned there was how does it affect um the patient but also everything in their life? And this is such an important point because nowadays in particular, and for the last couple of months, I've spent a lot of time speaking to different, Um, patient engagement directors at different pharmaceutical companies, pharma companies, and rightly so, are not just focused on the patient, but also on the caregivers and the care partners of that patient as well. Um, And this is particularly huge when it comes to um, pediatric medicine, but also in adult conditions as well. It's not just one person who is affected when there is an illness all their loved ones are deeply affected as well. And it is a really important change that we're seeing in the industry that it's not just about the patient, but also about those caregivers and the other people um, that are affected as well. You also mentioned when we were talking about um, feeling, it's about trying to get the KOLs to feel a particular thing and really draw them into the story. And this is such an important point from rapport building as well. If you can elicit some kind of emotion from someone as you're speaking, the likelihood that they'll have a follow-up meeting with you, the likelihood that they'll remember you as well, because as MSLs, you see busy KOLs and they're all targeted by um, all the pharmaceutical companies, which means you are one of maybe 10 MSLs that they see. So if you're able to effectively take them on a journey and elicit some kind of emotion from them, it's more likely that you will stand out, they'll remember you and the interaction will be a lot better. And I know earlier you talked about um, the hero and the example of the patient being the hero and some of the challenges that they go through. And for example, side effects are something that patients experience when they're on medications, which we're all aware of. And it just struck me that it's so important when we're presenting information that we keep it relevant. So if we set up a hero's journey that you know patients currently on treatment X, they experience these side effects, which really, really impact their quality of life. And then we present data where those side effects are minimized. It brings the KOL or the doctor on a journey where they can actually see the relevance of maybe a secondary endpoint where there was a 30% reduction in a certain side effect. Because you've already set up that this particular side effect was something that was really challenging um, for the patient. So again, it just goes back to you're sharing relevant information and you're just really taking them on the journey um, with you.
1: Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. And 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 you to your point, you've got this, you're you're striking this balance like all good stories between a rational kind of, you know here's here are the things that are going on here are the milestones this is what's going on this is the science but then the emotion as well and if and if you can have have a nice melding of rational and emotional it means it also means that you're changing gears you know and uh, and that that's an incredibly important part to effective communication because if you're staying on the same note um it's the same as language you know you can't you can't communicate with people in in really dense uh, uh, scientific chat uh, for too long because it's just not sustainable Uh, it needs to be conversational it needs to be exploratory uh, it needs to be contextual as well and then you know some salt and pepper some seasoning with the uh, with 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 the scientific stuff obviously that's going to give you the credibility that's going to that's going to make yeah you know, that's going to demonstrate that you know what you're talking about but if that's all you do then they're not going to be listening for very long because they need that they need that light and shade they need a bit of colour uh, i think that's uh, that that sort of dimension uh, of things um, and your ability to sort of shift uh, is uh, you know critical to having a successful interaction
0: And what is the best way for MSLs to practice their scientific storytelling? Because if they're new MSLs and they're not used to communicating in this way, is there a way for them to practice this before they actually have a meeting with the KOL?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I I think uh, there are two stages, I think, Um, probably three, actually, I think the first thing is to plan and to to kind of go, all right, well, this is the narrative that I'm going to tell. And then you have this, then you have your structure and you kind of plot the story based on that, that structure. And then you break it down. So if we've got the first act, second act, and the third act, we don't practice all three together. We just practice one part at a time. Let's just imagine they're, you know, somewhere between a minute and two minutes, um, you know, without interaction, without interruptions and uh, and responses. And then from there, you know, it really depends how you interact with content. You know, some people really like to heavily script material, and uh, other people like to work to talking points. Um, you know, you should never be working off a script but sometimes it's useful to write something out longhand first just to kind of you know thresh through and distill things and work out no no no. let me take that out let me build that bit out a bit more whatever it might be um and then if it's got anything to do with communication this has been one of my great uh, bugbears of 30 years of coaching people communication skills If you're not practicing it out loud, you're not practicing, you know, writing something out, typing something out, imagining how it might sound. It's as ludicrous as, you know, a piano player not practicing a piece on the piano. You know, if you're going to speak something and you're not actually practicing it deliberately and out loud, recording it and reflecting upon it, and uh, maybe even, you know, sharing it with one of your colleagues and talking about it and then distilling it further, Uh, You know you're not really practicing I think deliberate out loud practice with some reflection. uh, really allows you to do a lot of um, self tutelage and to get rid of a lot of that kind of because what you're trying to do is. it's like a you know your 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 message that you're communicating is like a perfect bonsai tree, you know, and it just get out those little nail scissors just to kind of get that perfect sort of shape. To what you're trying to say where not, we're not a word is wasted that's the goal
0: yeah and i think that's so important what you said about recording yourself and this is something i recommend to all the msls that i train because it will give you such a level of self-awareness when you're able to actually hear what you said back and kind of think oh god i kind of went off on a bit of a tangent there or actually i jumped straight into that point and i didn't give any background so they'll be really confused and often it's not something we realize unless we practice it out loud, as you said, but also record it and really reflect, is there a way to make it clearer? Is there information missing? Is there information that can be removed? Just to ensure that the experience that we're providing to our KOLs is as high quality as possible, and we're really able to educate and really engage them in conversation and communicate in a way that is as effective as possible.
1: That's it. It's like it's like dialogue in 4K kind of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Marcus, thank you so much for sharing all your insights today and your over 30 years of experience in communication skills. Where can people find you if they want to learn a little bit more about you and the work that you do?
1: Yeah, look, sixtyseconds.com. Uh, that's the uh, that's the website, and uh, obviously, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And uh, happy happy to chat. I think uh, I think your point on um, deliberate practice is is a is a really good one because you don't know what you're saying in the moment that you're saying it, but when you listen to it back. It's it's a great experience. Just don't don't overanalyze it because sometimes that can lead to paralysis. But uh, you know, just listen to it and just you know, observe it by two points. One is did it make sense? And do I sound like I mean it? And they're the two key sort of principles for any effective delivery of a message. But thanks for your time. I I really appreciate it.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Marcus. Take care.
1: Bye.